We are live and we are recording. Start. Ready to start, Agent Gruber. Phones on uh, silence or turn them off. And let's call the meeting to order. Thank you so much. Good evening. This is the August 15th, 2023 regular meeting of the Rent Board Commission. I am Executive Director and Board Secretary Christina Varner, and Rent Board staff members Diana Flores and Max Garcia and I will be managing the WebEx remote meeting functions. Some members of the public may be attending the meeting in person, and members of the public may also view the meeting live online at the link listed on the agenda and remote meeting access information. We ask members of the public for their patience during tonight's hybrid meeting. Public comment may be provided by telephone only by dialing 415-655-0001 and entering access code 2664 2762899. The commission will take public comment from members of the public present at the in-person meeting first, and then we'll take comment from members of the public appearing remotely. As in previous meetings, I want to thank the many people who have worked to make this meeting possible, including the rent board commissioners, Corwin Cooley at the Department of Technology, rent board staff, particularly Craig Van Sponson, Amir Omidvari, Kathy Hilton, Eileen O'Neill, Diana Flores, Max Garcia, Amanda Esquivel, Lenny Gragason, Elvira James, Matthew Tom, senior ALJs Joey Kumis and Connie Brandon, and board secretaries from across the city who continue to provide much needed advice on remote meetings. Thank you. For members of the public appearing both in person and remotely, general procedures have not changed. You will have three minutes to provide your comment. If you have an interpreter interpreting your comment, you will have six minutes. If you have requested a reasonable modification based on disability from staff prior to this meeting, your comment will not have a time limit. You are encouraged, but not required to state your name for the record. If you're calling to speak regarding an item on the agenda, please state which item you are speaking about. Please note that anything you say during public comment cannot be used as evidence with regard to the item on which you're speaking. Once your time is up, staff will so indicate and you will be informed your time is up or your mic will be muted. Again, public comment from members of the public appearing in person will be taken first. Once all members of the public appearing in person have had the opportunity to speak, staff will open up public comment for members of the public appearing remotely. The remote public comment call-in instructions are posted with the agenda located on the Rent Board's website at sf.gov slash rentboard in the commission section. While you may view the meeting using the link located on the website, the agenda, and remote meeting public access information, remote public comment may only be given by dialing in on the phone. The phone number to call into the meeting to give public comment again is 415-655-0001. You will then enter access code 2664-276-2899, press pound, and press pound again. You will not enter an additional code. You will hear the meeting as you wait on the line. You will then dial star and three to enter the public comment queue. You will then hear, you have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. 
Please make sure that you are in a quiet location and that all computers, phones, and TVs around you are muted so there is no echo sound while you speak. When it is your turn to speak, staff will unmute you and you will hear your line has been unmuted. You may then give your comment. To withdraw your question, dial star and three again and you will hear you have lowered your hand. When your three minutes are up, staff will so indicate and your line will be muted. You will be moved out of the speaker line and back as an attendee in the meeting unless you disconnect. You may stay on the line if you wish to speak during another public comment opportunity. Please visit the rent board's website for ongoing updates regarding hybrid rent board commission meetings. Thank you. So now we call officially to order. Thank you, President Gruber. And start with the uh, item number two, the reading of the Ramakush Ohlone land acknowledgement. Commissioner Mossbacher. I think it's Commissioner Chen tonight. This is a Chan, sorry. Knowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula, as indigenous stewards of this land in accordance with their traditions. The Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, or nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community and by affirming their sovereign rights as first peoples. Thank you. Uh, next, we have roll call. Thank you, President Gruber. President Gruber? Here. President Gruber present. Commissioner Tom? Here. Commissioner Tom present. Commissioner Wasserman? Present. Commissioner Wasserman present. Commissioner Klein? Here. Commissioner Klein present. Commissioner Mossbrucker? Here. Commissioner Mossbrucker present. Commissioner Crow? Here. Commissioner Crow present. Commissioner Chan? Here. Commissioner Chan present. Commissioner Sawney? Commissioner Sawney not present. Commissioner Hung? Commissioner Hung present. And Commissioner Klein, uh, pardon me, Commissioner Haley. Commissioner Haley present. Uh, I would like to uh, acknowledge that the following staff members are also present. Senior Administrative Law Judge Joey Kumis. Uh, and myself, Executive Director and Board Secretary Christina Varner. Um, Rent Board Specialists Diana Flores and Max Garcia are joining us remotely. Uh, Barbara Texador, who is to begin as the Rent Board's new Deputy Director and Board Secretary next week, is also present with us here today. Thank you. I will move on to item number four, remarks from the public. Thank you, President Gruber. Give me just one moment. It is now time for the first of two public comment periods. A second public comment period will occur after the consideration of appeals. Both public comment periods tonight are for general public comment and for all items listed on the agenda. 
For all members of the public, whether appearing in person or remotely, general procedures have not changed. You will have three minutes to provide your comment. If you have an interpreter interpreting your comment, you will have six minutes. If you have requested a reasonable modification based on disability from staff prior to this meeting, your comment will not have a time limit. You are encouraged, but not required to state your name for the record. If you're calling to speak regarding an item on the agenda, please state which item you are speaking about. Please note that anything you say during public comment cannot be used as evidence with regard to the item on which you are speaking. Once your time is up, staff will so indicate and you will be informed your time is up or your mic will be muted. As stated earlier, public comment from members of the public appearing in person will be taken first. Once all members of the public appearing in person have had the opportunity to speak, staff will open up public comment for members of the public appearing remotely. Uh, we will now take comment from members of the public here in the meeting room. Pardon me if I find a timer. Are there any members of the public wishing to speak? If you could please approach the podium. Um, the mic is very sensitive, so if you could please uh, be gentle with it. Thank you so much. You have three minutes. Thank you. Tim Kelly, attorney for Linda Crane. Rent board decision reached in petition number T230228, item 6B in tonight's agenda, is sound and should not be disturbed. Landlord's appeal requests the rent board entertain a cynical pretense in an attempt to pad the pockets of the largest and most irresponsible landlord in San Francisco. Testimony received at the rent board hearing convincingly conveyed that the landlord had active knowledge that Ms. Ray's moved in 24 years, Ms. Ray's moved out 24 years ago and that Ms. Crane and her son, Luis and Linda, were the only tenants remaining in Unit 45. Other tenants in the building emphasized the fact that it was common practice of the landlord to approve such transfers between units. The administrative law judge based her decision on numerous pieces of evidence presented during the testimony. Not just the fact that the landlord had recognized Ms. Crane as a tenant more than 18 years ago in formal written acknowledgement. The evidence also included mailbox signage, repair policy, public knowledge of residents in the building, and extensive communication with landlords, on-site managers, and other staffs for decades. Both the property manager, Matt Rodriguez, and attorney Ed Singer recognized that Ms. Crane, a 7 year old woman, had a strong claim to keep the rent control apartment she had lived in for decades. Both knew that she would be rendered homeless if deprived of rent control, that neither common sense nor compassion kept them from forcing the city of San Francisco to expend resources, considering and rejecting their transparently greedy efforts to intimidate a long-term tenant to leave their home. The rent board should not only reject this appeal, they should take the opportunity to remind Veritas and all their subsidiary companies that they are not to harm the people of San Francisco unnecessarily. Veritas has previously committed to backstopping the rent relief applications of numerous tenants who have been affected by the pandemic and not pursue evictions against the victims of COVID-19. They broke their word. They also publicly committed to returning millions of dollars of public monies they inappropriately extorted through an improper PPP loan. Again, they broke their word. 
Both these public commitments remain unfulfilled, even as Veritas uses the power of the Superior Court and the Rent Board of San Francisco against the citizens of this city. This company should be ordered to keep its word and to address the devastating homelessness population problem that it is actively contributing to in its short-sighted efforts to maximize their quarterly profits, or more accurately, minimize their quarterly losses and try to get the public monies to further bail them out of the natural consequences of their counterproductive business practices that have led to such devastating financial losses. Are there any additional members of the public in the meeting room wishing to speak? Now is the time. Thank you, board members. My name is my name is Andrew Catterall, and I'm uh, speaking on behalf of uh, item A for the landlord, 712 um, Sebastian Colabianchi. Um, the tenant appeal here, here involves one of numerous alleged decrease in housing services that she brought in her petition. The one issue that she's appealing involves a covered up pocket door between the unit's living room and its dining room. The tenancy here began in 1999, and sometime after that, and apparently sometime before the tenant, the petitioning tenant moved in, some previous tenants apparently constructed a permanent wall closing off the pocket door, apparently to use the dining room. The dining room as a personal bedroom. The landlord discovered the closed off pocket door in October 2021. He recognized it as a building code violation and a hazard. In her petition, the tenant claims that she was deprived of the right to having an extra bedroom and the pocket door was removed. Um, in her detailed decision, um, ALJ Katayama disagreed, stating that, amongst other things, based on all the evidence, the undersigned ALJ finds that there's insufficient evidence to establish the partition wall creating a third bedroom was a house and service included in the original tenancy or that the partition wall was constructed with the landlord's consent after the original tenancy commenced for additional rent. ALJ Katiyama was correct. At the hearing, the tenant provided zero evidence as to what existed at the inception of the tenancy. And she provided no evidence um, that any consideration was ever provided to have the extra bedroom. Um, while the tenant submitted several de declarations in support of her petition, none of these persons attested to the what the configuration of the unit was at the inception of the tenancy. They weren't there at the time. In contrast, the landlord, Sebastian Colbianchi, testified that the pocket door was closed only after the tenancy had commenced and without his permission, and that there was no consideration that was ever given to have the dining room permanently closed off. Mr. Colbianchi was able to testify to this because not only was he the owner of the building at the time the 99 tenancy commenced, but he actually lived in that unit at exactly at the time before the, ten the current tenancy began. Um, in her appeal, the tenant raises the exact same irrelevant issues and evidence that she presented at the hearing. She relies on the same declarations from the same tenants who weren't there at the inception of the tenancy. Now, not only was this information thoroughly addressed in the decision, but it bears zero relevance on the crucial issue. Was this a housing service that was included in the original tenancy and was it later removed by the landlord? In her conclusions of the law, the ALJ squarely addresses this point and states that there is insufficient evidence supporting this claim. As the ALJ puts it in her decision, the ability to construct a partition wall to convert the dining room into a bedroom is not a housing service. Thank you.
Hello, my name is Dewana Stewart. I am speaking for item C on the agenda. I implore you to honor the decision made on June 23rd regarding me and my landlord, Kevin Barnotas. Upon receiving the appeal of Mr. Barnotas and reviewing his contest, he has dismissed my call for actions and further disputed my claims. In my claim for ant infestation, I've repeatedly called and detailed MYND, who is my property manager, about where I thought the ants were coming from and how they should be dealt with. My advice was ignored. It states in my lease it is my responsibility to uh, be responsible for pests and insects unless I would to be charged for the extermination. I gave a descriptive timeline of how long I had to personally deal with the ant problem, but to no avail, as it was reported, there were three different ant hills on my property after I insisted to MYND that they investigate the surrounding property. In regards to my mouse infestation, Barnotis falsely claims there was only one mouse issue. There were in fact two mouse incidents, one beginning on October 3rd and ending months later in February of 2021 after the mouse had died in my kitchen. I communicated with MYND that there is more likely to be another infestation due to the hole uh, where the mouse had came from. I asked that the hole was to be repaired. Upon request, someone entered my home without my knowledge to patch the hole. The hole was covered by a plank of wood and wall spackle and more than a one or two inches hole left unfilled. A second mouse occurred on August of 2022 as a direct result of lackluster repair work and reported uh, having found mouse droppings near the hole and seeing a mouse August 21st at 1.30 in the morning. Lastly, my case with Mr. Lynn Davis. It has come to my attention that Mr. Barnotis may have had a personal relationship of some kind, quote unquote. Uh, Barnos has stated many times the nature of Mr. Davis's orientation and medical history within his appeal. I was never aware of how Mr. Davis identifies or the state of his health regarding uh, Mr. Barnardis's appeal. Mr. Barnos also stated that Mr. Davis's violation was only to encourage and encounter me during laundry and garbage at similar times, deliberately undermining the many multiple times I've called the police on Mr. Davis with witnesses and the times that I've called and made wellness checks on Mr. Davis's behalf. Both the police and the wellness center has stated I needed the involvement of my landlord and the property management company. I requested a restraining order, which was denied by Mr. Uh, as Mr. Davis did not attend court and concluded that I needed the involvement of my landlord and property management company. Mr. Barnos has also ignored that my first issue with Mr. Davis was tampering with the mail and packaging, taking them into his residence without my permission, without my consideration. Mr. Davis consistently ignored simple requests uh, in regards to personal space and property, showed little acknowledgement or remorse when approached by officers, claiming that it was his job to observe me as the property manager and building manager, all of which I have explained in detail to Mr. Barnotis. Thank you. Are there any additional members of the public in the room wishing to provide comment? Thank you. So now that all members of the public in the meeting room have been given the opportunity to provide their comment, we will open up public comment opportunities for members of the public attending the meeting remotely. The remote public comment call-in instructions are posted with the agenda located on the rent board's website at sf.gov slash rent board in the commission section. While you may view the meeting using the link located on the website, the agenda and remote meeting access information, public comment may only be given by dialing in on the phone. 
The phone number to call into the meeting to give public comment is 415-655-0001. You will then enter access code 2664-276-2899, press pound and press pound again. You will not enter an additional code. You will hear the meeting as you wait on the line. You will then dial star and three to enter the public comment queue. You will then hear you have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. Please make sure that you are in a quiet location and that all computers, phones, and TVs around you are muted so there is no echo sound while you speak. When it is your turn to speak, staff will unmute you and you will hear your line has been unmuted. You may then give your comment. To withdraw your question, dial star and three again, and you will hear you have lowered your hand. When your three minutes are up, staff will so indicate and your line will be muted. You will be moved out of the speaker line and back as an attendee in the meeting unless you disconnect. You may stay on the line if you wish to speak during another public comment opportunity. Friendboard staff member Diana Flores will be operating the phone system during this first public comment period. I will be keeping time. When your time is up, you may hear a timer ringing. Time will be called and you as the caller will be muted. Ms. Flores, do we have any callers raising their hands in the queue wishing to provide public comment? Yes, we have one caller in the queue. Can you please allow the first caller? Caller, you will have three minutes. Ms. Flores, can you hear the caller? No, the caller has been unmuted, but there's no audio at this no time. Audio. Hi, I think that might have been my error. Hi, Jenna Liddell, I am the tenant at 61 Lupine Avenue, appeal AT230046. I have evidence and exhibited proof of communication of substantial and significant decreases in housing services at 61 Lupine Avenue. Thank you. Um, caller, if you can please mute your computer while you are speaking so that the commissioners are able to hear you and understand you. Thank you so much. Ms. Flores, can you please unmute the caller one more time? Okay, um, is that better? Please mute your computer. Um, I, I am muted actually, it's, it is muted. I'll just turn the volume off. Great, thank does, you. Does that work? Yes, that's much better. Thank you so All right, much. Shall please I start proceed. again? Yes, please. Okay. Thank you. Jenna Liddell, 61 Lupine Avenue, appeal AT230046. I am the tenant. I have evidence and exhibited proof of communication of substantial and significant decreases in housing services 61 Lupine Avenue. I have provided copies of communication in multiple forms, all submitted by email to the rent board to include text, screenshots, emails, photographs, screenshots of videos, and reference phone calls and app submissions to the rental management companies, both SNL and Bay Property Group. I was creatively forced out of my apartment by the landlord through personal ridicule and groundless personal attacks. Landlord and her assignees documented this and submitted to the rent board for attempting to 
for me, I'm attempting to make 61 Lupine Avenue livable and habitable for my teenage daughter and I with requests for necessary maintenance. This occurred over and over with no significant repairs occurring over my three-year tenancy. Said landlord was ultimately in control of making and agreeing to and paying for reasonable and necessary repairs, which she did not. I lived through the construction of her making her unit, 63 Lupine Avenue, repairs and necessary improvements during my tenancy, but willingly failing to do the same to my unit below her. I have established evidence and fact of all issues I encountered and raised to multiple sources to the rent board by email. I was blatantly either ignored or placated with attempts ending to be useless, being patronized by the landlord attacking me personally when in fact I was acting professionally with good and positive intent and actions within correct and legal boundaries. Most workmen who did come into my unit either did not fix the problem or temporarily, quote, band-aided said problem until it continued again soon after. I was given no choice but to be forced to move out of 61 Lupine Avenue because of the inhability, inhabitability at the hands of the landlord. Both my teenage daughter and I suffered from the landlord's gross negligence and unwillingness to acknowledge nor admit to significant maintenance issues at 61 Lupine Avenue. I was manipulated not only by the landlord, but also by her assignees. It is essential that my teenage daughter needs to be and will corroborate through personal interview her experiences and suffering in result of the ignored and deferred maintenance issues at 61 Lupine Avenue. It is essential that she be interviewed legally by the rent board to further clarify how serious and significant the issues regarding habitability at 61 Lupine were during our tenancy from September 2018 to November 2021. She will also comment on the suffering and damages she sustained. She is a minor and I was unable to locate any legal information as to how you will agree to interview my teenage daughter. She's 17. So I will need direction as to how to make that happen. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Thank you, Ms. Flores, for muting the caller. Ms. Flores, do we have uh, an, another another member of the public uh, in the queue wishing to provide comment at this time? Yes, we have one additional member. Thank you so much. Can you please allow the caller? Caller, you will have three minutes. Hi, thank you. My name's Catherine McGee, calling in regards to item 6D on the same property as Ms. Liddell just talked about, 61 Lupine Avenue. I am the property owner. And um, as a nurse practitioner, I take this personally because I always like to treat my patients when there's a problem early on so that their condition doesn't get worse. And I treat our property the exact same way because I reside at the same duplex. So as soon as I hear that there's a problem, we try to fix it right away before it manifests into something worse and bigger. Our tenant has placed this appeal, um, but truly has not shown any new evidence uh, to show her communication of these items and her complaints um, at the times that she says that she lodged these complaints. As I had submitted earlier during our arbitration, the timeline is very different and drastically different from what she claims and what our management um, companies show and have evidence of as well. And in this appeal process, I, I found Ms. Liddell to be just kind of full of falsehoods and to be quite dishonest. She even 
truly perjured herself uh, compared to what she said in the arbitration, saying she had no access to the management portal, so she had no proof of communications. And then in this appeal that she submitted, she said, oh, I actually did have access in October, and, and here's a snippet of one of my emails about something unrelated to, um, to what her complaints were lodged. So I, I do ask the, this wonderful appeals committee here just to look at the evidence that's been presented. Um, you'll see that as landlords, we attempted to fix the items as soon as we came, uh, were notified of it by our tenant, and we tried to communicate with her via text, emails, and letters left at her door, and she ignored our attempts and even denied access to one of our uh, handymans to go in and assess these items. And this was all very detailed and uh, submitted during the arbitration as well. Um, and in regards to, uh, to personal ridicule and personal attacks, there's no personal ridicule or personal attacks other than the facts. We like to stick to the facts in medicine and we like to stick to the facts in courts and, and be truthful and honest. And this is what we've been presenting all along. Um, and, and there, um, and, and as a landowner, I know we're allowed to do work in our unit during working hours. Um, and, and we were, the work that was done was actually tough because we had a baby on the way. So things were being done in our unit to baby proof our house, but um, that is not even needed to be known by the public, but I'm an honest person and that is what was happening. Uh, I thank you for your time and, and, and consideration of our, um, of our account. Ms. Flores, please mute the caller. Ms. Flores, are there additional members of the public in the queue wishing to provide comment at this time? No, there are no additional callers at this time. Okay. Um, so at this time, we're going to close the first of two public comment uh, periods this evening. Um, it does not appear that there are any additional members of the public uh, in the queue raising their hand, indicating to staff they're wishing to provide comment. Um, there will be an, a second opportunity after the consideration of appeals. So at this time, uh, we will close the first public comment call-in period. Um, and Ms. Flores, just to confirm, you don't see any additional members of the public who have just recently called in or raised their hand? That's right. There are no additional callers. Thank you so much for confirming. So the first public comment period is now closed. Thank you very much. We'll move on to item five, approval of the minutes. I'll so move. Second. Any addition, subtraction? All for the vote. A motion to approve the minutes of July 11th, 2023. Commissioner Wasserman? Aye. Commissioner Chan? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Tom? Aye. Commissioner Klein? Aye. Commissioner Mossbrooker? Aye. Commissioner Crow? I'll abstain. I was here last question. Commissioner Crow abstaining. Commissioner Hung? To abstain as well. And Commissioner Haley? Thank you. The minutes have been approved. Move on to item six consideration of appeals. We'll start with item A, 712 Trader Street. 
The tenants petition alleging decreased housing services was granted in part, and the landlord was found liable for rent reductions in the total amount of $2,675. However, the administrative law judge denied the tenant's claim alleging the landlord had reduced the number of bedrooms provided at the inception of the tenancy. On appeal, the tenants assert that the administrative law judge misinterpreted the evidence concerning use of the third bedroom and that the decision contained an incorrect timeline of events. I would move to deny. Second. Discussion. Call for the vote. Motion to deny the appeal. Commissioner Wasserman. Aye. President Gruber. Aye. Commissioner Mossberger. Aye. Commissioner Chan. Aye. And Commissioner Hung. Aye. The hearing officer's uh, decision stands. Move to item B, 1130 Larkin Street, apartment 45. The tenant's petition alleging an unlawful rent increase under the Costa Hawkins Rental Housing Act was granted. The administrative law judge found that a rent increase was not authorized because the evidence established that the landlord consented to the tenant petitioner's occupancy and intended to create a direct landlord-tenant relationship with her. The landlord appeals the, the decision in a certain part that the petitioner was a subtenant of the original occupant and that the landlord never intended to create a tenancy with the tenant's petitioner. I am recusing myself. I have a recusal on file. Uh, I have uh, previously represented this landlord. Um, I would move to deny the appeal. Second. Discussion. Up the vote. Motion to deny the appeal. Commissioner Mossbrecher? Aye. Commissioner Chan? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Wasserman? Aye. And Commissioner Hung? The hearing officer's decision stands. We call uh, Commissioner uh, oh. Or uh, recuse this. Christina, when we're recused, we're not to go into the kitchen, we're to go in the. Uh, Ideally, all commissioners should fully exit well, well, the room. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, don't know, I just, I remember last time he texted me and said, can't go in the kitchen. You can't go in the kitchen. <laughs> I just want the kitchen. The great. Yeah. <laughs> great. They're long. Okay, with that, we move on to item C 530 Grove Street, apartment number five. Landlord's appeal was filed one day late because the landlord initial email submission to the room board was not successfully transmitted. So I yeah, I would move to accept the late appeal. Okay. Any discussion? Call for the vote. 
A motion to find good cause for the late filing of the appeal. Commissioner Wasserman. Aye. Commissioner Chan. Aye. President Gruber. Aye. Commissioner Mossbrecher. Aye. And Commissioner Hung. The uh, tenant petition alleging decreased housing services was granted in part, and the landlord was found liable for decreased housing services in a total amount of $2,850. On appeal, the landlord claims in part that the administrative law judge exceeded their authority and misapplied the law, and that the landlord's response to the tenant's complaint was reasonable and timely. To deny the appeal. I, I, oh, sorry. Second. Comment? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I just have one problem I want to discuss, which is, and this is something that's coming up more and more, uh, where there may be a problematic tenant in the building, right? And it's harassing other tenants, right? Like here. And there's this, undefined duty of what management or ownership is supposed to do in those instances you can't just evict people that are a problem that's that's not not on the table anymore so i, I put that out there because you know we're going to see this more and more where somebody comes in for decreased housing service because uh not because the roof leaks or the heater doesn't work but because another resident in the building is causing somebody allegedly just suffered, you know, harassment or decrease in housing service. And that's something, unless it's the owner doing it or the owner's agent, something that our, our end of the table has no control of. I don't recall reading in here that the landlord took any actions against the neighbor. The landlord had their attorney right on list. Page seven. That could be the next one. Well, I think they took action by evicting for non-payment of rent. Yeah, right, absolutely. Just strategically, probably the right call. I don't know. This is something that 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 is is you know that we have no rule on that. But it's also a hard situation just from a practitioner perspective because. Right. I am constantly being asked by clients, like, how do I protect the other tenant, right? Like, how do I, do I do if you don't have, you know, enough to really get a nuisance or you don't have, a, or the police are unwilling to do anything, which is, they are. which they are. It really puts, I think it puts the landlord in an impossible place because they can't. I think that the landlord has a duty to maintain the quiet enjoyment and it's not something that the tenant can take. And, you know, any actions beyond what she attempted to do in terms of get it, you know, trying to get a restraining order. Um, she's the one whose quiet enjoyment is being interrupted and unless the rules are changed, I don't see. I, I think that the ALJ correctly applied the law to the facts here. I don't think there is law, and I don't know if what I'm going to say is in this case, I think I think he's talking about kind of a broader problem, right? Yeah. That, what is the landlord to do, right? If the police won't do anything, you don't have enough for nuisance here. I mean, you just don't. That's the call that the landlord has to make, but there has to be some steps taken, some 
them affirmative duty on the landlord's part to protect the quiet enjoyment of the tenants. Well, tell it, what, what, what is it? Yeah, tell it. I don't. I think it that I think that it involves a reduction in rent if there's nothing you can do. I, so the answer I'm hearing, and I, I, you know, perhaps you're right, which is we pay for it. We have no control over it, and we pay for it. It's akin to like you're the ones that have control over who lives in the building. I mean, not at all. <laughs> Please. The opposite. Oh, please. I mean, the no, tenants, we do not. Like, it's, it's the not. tenants absolutely do. I mean, once once can became completely exactly, landlords have no control over twenty fifteen onwards. The tenants don't choose the other tenants. Come on. What's that? The tenants. The who lives in other units in the building? Come on. No, no but somebody who lives in an apartment that, for example, met the landlord's criteria. And can bring in roommates. We know that well, two per habitable. It's a different issue. Well, goes to your point of we control who lives in the building. That is absolutely incorrect. Absolutely, you correct. denied it. Yeah, it's been a long time. I I don't see changing. There's a further layer on this subject. Is in this case, it was determined to be worth one hundred dollars per month, and I want to know if that's a very even number. Which is sort of random, but in in a different case, say the uh, apartment was eight thousand dollars, how much would that difference be? Is it a percentage? I mean, we don't have a basis to to rate that on right now. I, I mean, I would love an answer to that question. How do we advise our landlords how much? Yeah. What's the formula? It's not a percentage of the rent. What percentage? The tenants decide. The fact is, is that we've seen these cases go both ways here at the rental. So in this case, we have a situation where the ALJ had decided to award to the tenant based on the other tenant's behavior. We see these. We also see these where, where the ALJ doesn't award a tenant based on this, and and that seems to be the fairest way to look at it. But the ALJ decide they decision here. I don't know what what their quote unquote formula was, but I'm sure it, it seems like a, a reasonable approach to me given the situation. And you know, well I might not be as uh, uh, <laughs> vocal in, in, in defending the opposite situation. I certainly understand it. I uh, you know I uh, as a lawyer I talk to a lot of tenants who talk who are experiencing Variations. So this is what I, as a lawyer, I often tell them, "Why can't we all get along?" Exactly. So I, I don't know. For whatever it's worth, and I put this on my website. It's coming from the rent board on page thirteen at the bottom, where the ALJ notes, in this case, there is no evidence that the landlord took any additional steps to protect the tenant petitioner's quiet enjoyment, such as speaking with a disruptive neighbor in person giving the neighbor written letters or notices to cease the nuisance activities or attempting to relocate the tenant away from the disruptive neighbor. I'll just point out, I mean, that's, I, I, I'm somewhat critical of that, that analysis uh, for the reasons you just stated that we wind up in court on something like this. It's, We're not gonna fare very well. It's a, it's, it's, this is an ideal and a good one. And yes, there may be some, there may be some, uh, Disadvantages legally by, by speaking to the disruptive neighbor in person. But oftentimes, you know, again, this is dealing with my 
I don't see that landlords even write that letters. Oh, I, I mean, I know some do, but 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 I see situations where I just prefer to do nothing, and hopefully the hopefully the thing sorts itself out. That's a problem from a tenant's perspective. This is also a situation where the disruptive neighbor was claiming to be dealing doing some of these things on behalf of the landlord Kevin. It would have been very easy for the landlord Kevin to post a notice in the building or send notices to the other tenants that this person had no authority and did not work for the landlord. Do that if the neighbor is saying I worked for the landlord. Why not? You you can't publicly talk about other people. Other people. you can say that you can say that he's not your employee. You can I would never, he has no authority. I would never your behalf. I would never advise a client to post any public notice about any resident in the building. Yeah. Well, you said you could have written about you could have written to him. You could have written to him saying, "Stop claiming you're my employee." I I agree. I, I highlighted the exact same set of factors that I was. Uh, I think that I mean I think what happened here is that all of this was going on. And I'm extrapolating somehow the landlord got counsel and counsel said it's going to be easier to do a non pay. But we have to wait for something to accrue. I assume COVID rent had to end. And then what happened is they did the easy straight shot, which yeah. is get him out for non pay. And that is the right decision. It's the least harassing for all the tenants and it's the cleanest kind of easiest way to solve the problem. I, I don't think these factors are. Fair, and I don't think they take the full picture into account. Do you think Mark, do you think that the administrative law does abuse their discretion coming up with that number? I don't think we have any basis for the number, which always bothers me. You know, I can understand heat, or I can understand water, or I can understand certain things not working, and that's a functional problem. I can understand your property gets damaged, and that has a number. I don't know why it's a hundred dollars a month. Um, and I think that in this case, I don't think, I think the administrative law judge didn't take the full set of facts into account. The administrative law judge based the award based on what the tenant had requested in her petition. The administrative law judge heard the evidence, weighed the evidence, and decided that that was an appropriate amount to award. I think we should call the question. But Mr. Chairman, I, I, I absolutely hear the landlords on there's no standard for what you have to do. It sucks. I get it. <laughs> it does. In this case, the, the ALJ saying the landlord needs to do a little bit more. That's discretionary. And when you compare living with an annoying neighbor for 21 months, I think is worth more than road infestation for 50 bucks. So I think it's a discretionary estimate amount. I, I, again, I'm sympathetic to the problem. I'm very sympathetic to the problem, but here are the senses the landlord needs to do. I just want it to be noted that these cases are highly subjective, and whichever way that this goes really can't be a determiner of future uh, behavior on our part because it is unique. Well, maybe we need some factors. It's and do you have the work statistics from this one?
So I, I know that the claim is always that nuisance evictions are hard and, should, and you can't bring them. Um, but there were 41 nuisance notices filed in this past month for May. What, uh, what are you talking about? Evictions? Yeah. But I mean, it's a notice. It's a notice. That's not an eviction. But it's, I mean, the, the whole premise that landlords do not or can't succeed at nuisance evictions and don't bring nuisance eviction is just frankly not true. Um, you know, I think the statistics point that out that landlords routinely serve no nuisance notices, whether they file the case or not. They're required now to give a 10 day warning. So any of those notices are not even nuisance notices, right? They're the they're not, notice. These are not the 10 day warnings. These are the nuisance notices. You have to give terms, but that's not what they we're keeping track of. Yes, they do. They do yeah, but he's, everything but non-payment of rent has to be filed. No, I'm saying the, 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 the cure notices. Oh, the 10 days? Yeah. No, they don't. Yeah. They don't get filed. These are the actual notices. We actually have to plead compliance. So what's wrong with a notice to cure situation? Yeah. No, I, there's there, <laughs> there's a place for notices to cure. I mean, I don't. It's a it's giving it's giving the, the person an option to change, and that seems to be a logical step that can be taken. But if you do that, then you open a. I'm just saying from a practitioner on the other side standpoint, you do that and you have a solid non-payment option, and you start mid messing with behavioral stuff. You're going to get all sorts of retaliatory claims when you bring your non-payment. secure. Why would you? That's a that's And you didn't cure or whatever. And now, and I mean, this is beside the point. I'm just, I'm trying to answer your question. I don't know. Maybe this is just me, but I'm not going to bring a case against the landlord and reserve my client and notice to cure. I hate to say this, but you, but. You meet an anti-slap under Park Lane, but, but but I mean, if you muck up the case, I'm just saying, if you muck up the case with behavioral stuff when you have a very clean option, it really harms the landlord's position. It, but the point there is, a notice to cure doesn't obligate to do They don't cure. The tenancy's technically terminated, and if you don't do anything, then you waive the conduct. I don't know. We can. Do it. All right. It's so, okay. Yeah. Should we talk about mice and ants? Um, here was an unusual uh, uh, agreement that seemed to put the uh, onus on 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 Anna to take care of that until a certain point in time when yes, they had to hire a, uh, a professional, and that's when uh, uh, the payment became a, a, a I guess an issue. But um, here, uh, you know, it's not an overwhelming um, issue. Uh, uh, you know. Ice ants are, are, are live here, and so uh, you do have to go through a process before you get rid of them. But here was an overwhelming amount, and uh, you start a process, and then and then an exterminator comes and he has to do his duty. But uh, this this was not an overwhelming amount that, that I think uh, brought it to a point that having uh, uh, you know a, a monetary conclusion. I say the like the judge made a call was appropriate. I, I do think that was curious. 
Can you shift the responsibility for pest termination and pest control to the tenant? No. No. I so don't have have to you, am I correct in saying that? It's, it's unwaivable. Or if you have an ability, in residential context, cannot be shifted onto the tenant. State law. That's what it that's yeah. seemed to be mentioned here, wasn't that? <laughs> no, yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I just, yeah. Okay. We, yeah, uh, what is it? Green v. Superior Court, right? Stop that, 1974. It's, in future. It's not an ideal provision. <laughs> yeah. Do we have any future comments? No. Any of the questions, please? Motion to deny the appeal. Commissioner Mossbrecher? Aye. Commissioner Chan? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Wasserman? Aye. And Commissioner Hung? Aye. Okay, the hearing officer's decision stands. We now go, now go to item number D, 61 Lupine Avenue. Tenant's petition alleging decreased housing services was denied. Administrative law judge found that the tenant failed to meet the burden of proving a substantial decrease in housing services. Tenant appealed in part on the basis that the landlord failed to make necessary repairs, interrupted for quiet enjoyment, and ignored her complaints. The tenant also asserts that her teenage daughter provide testimony to corroborate her claims. I would move to deny. Second. Discussion. Call to the vote. A motion to deny the appeal. Commissioner Wasserman. Aye. President Gruber. Aye. Commissioner Mossbrecher. Aye. Commissioner Chan. Aye. And Commissioner Fung. The hearing officer's decision stands. Item E, 400 uh, Grafton Avenue. You have a statement that this has been withdrawn, correct? That's correct, President Gruber. So uh, uh, that ends the uh, uh, appeals. And we now go to item number four, remarks from the public voice. Thank you so much. It is now time for the second of two public comment periods this evening. Both public comment periods tonight are for general public comment and for all items listed on the agenda. For all members of the public, whether appearing in person or remotely, general procedures have not changed. You'll have three minutes to provide your comment. If you have an interpreter interpreting your comment, you will have six minutes. If you have requested a reasonable modification based on disability from staff prior to this meeting, your comment will not have a time limit. You are encouraged, but not required to state your name for the record. If you're calling to speak regarding an item on the agenda, please state which item you are speaking about. Please note that anything you say during public comment cannot be used as evidence in regard to the item on which you are speaking. Once your time is up, staff will so indicate and you will be informed your, your time is up or your mic will be muted. As stated earlier, public comment from members of the public appearing in person will be taken first. Once all members of the public appearing in person have had the opportunity to speak, staff will open up public comment for members of the public appearing remotely. We will now go ahead and take comment from any members of the public here in the meeting room.
Thank you, members of the rent board for your decision. I appreciate your due diligence as well as your communication about my case. Um, in regards to everything, I think this was a difficult case for landlord and tenant alike. I would like to also put forth the rent board's attention that I am not the only tenant that the recently expelled tenant harassed. There are multiple long-term residents at 530 Grove who have also had issues with mice, with ants, with other rodents, as well as with former tenant Lynn Davis. I am not alone in my feelings of feeling like I had nowhere to turn. Multiple tenants have tried to contact Kevin Barnotis in regards to all of these issues and to no avail. I was introduced to Lynn as someone that I was supposed to trust as my property manager. He was introduced to me as the building manager. So I relied on him until it turned, until my packages became, started missing, until I started being cornered in the laundry room, until my garbage started being looked through, until I started being followed out of my residence, until I started being followed out of the building. All of these things came from me accepting and, and receiving Mr. Lynn Davis as my property manager, and then thoroughly learning slowly but surely that I was being deceived and lied to. Multiple housing uh, amenities and utilities have also been backed up due to Lynn Davis presenting himself as the property manager. This is not a one-off incident. This is not me just creating a situation where it feels like I am just running into somebody at similar times. This was a long, year-long harassment and neglect of my safety as a single female living in my unit. I appreciate and acknowledge your decisions, but once again, that this is not just a one-off issue that the full building has had to suffer at the hands of neglect and long-term stress and anxiety. So once again, I thank the rent board for your decision. I thank you for also having deep and thorough discussion before making such a decision. And I applaud you. Thank you so much. Any additional members of the public wishing to provide comment in the room? Thank you. So now that all members of the public in the meeting room have been given the opportunity to provide their comment, we will open up public comment opportunities for members of the public attending the meeting remotely. Again, the remote public comment call-in instructions are posted with the agenda located on the rent board's website at sf.gov slash rent board in the commission section. While you may view the meeting using the link located on the website, the agenda and remote meeting access information, remote public comment may only be given by dialing in on the phone. The phone number to call into the meeting to give public comment is 415-655-0001. 
You will then enter access code 2664-276-2899, press pound and press pound again. You will not enter an additional code. You will hear the meeting as you wait on the line. You will then dial star and three to enter the public comment queue. You will then hear you have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. Please make sure that you're in a quiet location and that all computers, phones, and TVs around you are muted so there is no echo sound while you speak. When it is your turn to speak, staff will unmute you and you will hear your line has been unmuted. You may then give your comment. Withdraw your question, dial star and three again, and you will hear you have lowered your hand. When your three minutes are up, staff will so indicate and your line will be muted. You will be moved out of the speaker line and back as an attendee unless you disconnect. Renford staff member Max Garcia will be operating the phone system during this second public comment period. I will be keeping time. When your time is up, you may hear a timer ringing. Time will be called and you as the caller will be muted. Mr. Garcia, do we have any callers raising their hands in the queue wishing to provide public comment? There are two members of the public wishing to give public comment. Thank you. Can you please allow the first caller? Caller, you will have three minutes. Hi, hello, this is April Mitchell. I'm calling in behalf, on behalf of 530 Grove, number five. Um, I just wanted to first express our disappointment with the board's final decision, um, one on behalf of 530 Grove, but also on behalf of what this means for the public and the landlord. And quite frankly, it's, it's the wrong decision. Um, the entire purpose of the board is to ensure a balance between landlords and tenants and these kind of decisions, these totally arbitrary findings are gonna eviscerate that. They're gonna destroy landlords. They're going to prevent anybody from wanting to rent to anybody. Um, namely to, to Mr. Davis that has been brought up. He was a tenant for 30 years in the building. And I understand that potentially he was disruptive to a number of people, but one, the evidence before the court, the administrative, uh, administrative law judge, as well as this board, simply does not result in a finding of the true issue of a reduction of services. Mr. Davis lived in the building for 30 years. Mr. Davis lived there when the tenant moved in. To the extent she claims that she thought that potentially he was the landlord or maintenance, a simple review of her lease, a simple review of where she paid her rent every month, a simple review of those people that she said she hounded a million times to get attention for her aunt issue. Any of that would have revealed that Mr. Davis, who was out front sweeping, was not, <laughs> was not the property manager and was not acting on behalf of the landlord or Mr. Bernotis. Separately, these findings that are so arbitrary, I mean, we just heard from four or five different lawyers that all said, we have no idea how this number was reached. We have no idea what duties would be sufficient. Um, and even those in favor of the decision of the administrative law judge all cited to, well, maybe some letters would have been fine. The evidence before the administrative law judge, as well as this board, was that letters were submitted. Uh, and and it, it was mentioned the cleanest, easiest way to mitigate this situation was the exact recourse that was taken. 
And, and to go about it saying that other potential avenues could have been explored is, is simply beyond the, the spirit of all of this. And, and same with things such as the ants and, and the mouse. I mean, to place a burden on a landlord that five days is insufficient to respond to a complaint, that's, you're, you're gonna cripple landlords all over all over San Francisco, and it's going to destroy relationships. Nobody's going to want to rent to anybody. It's it's just simply not in the spirit of the purpose of the board, and quite frankly, not in accordance with the law and the regulations that are set forth in the decisions that everybody is supposed to be following. Thank you, caller. Thank you, Mr. Garcia, for muting the caller. Mr. Garcia, are there additional members of the public in the queue raising their hands wishing to provide comment? There is one member of the public wishing to give public comment. Thank you so much. Uh, please allow the caller. Caller, you will have three minutes. Hello, Matthew Rodericks uh, with Green Tree Property Management. Uh, I just wanted to say I appreciate the discussion on the, uh, the difficulties in navigating a nuisance. Uh, eviction and uh, we stand by for further guidance from the rent board. Uh, if all the steps that, that uh, had been enumerated, discussing with the resident, noticing the resident attempting to uh, move the resident to uh, a unit further away from other, other tenants uh, are unsuccessful, um, uh, I'm hoping for some guidance on uh, further steps we can take. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Paula. Mr. Garcia, are there additional members of the public in the queue um, who dialed in on the phone, raising their hand, wishing to provide comment? There are no members of the public wishing to give public comment. There may be an indication that a member of the public is attempting to provide comment from a device that is not their phone. So um, for all members of the public, Please dial in on the phone, 415-655-0001, and then you'll push uh, the access code, which is 2664-276-2899. You'll dial pound and pound again. And then what you'll do is dial star and three to what's called raise your hand to indicate to us that you're wishing to provide comment. So if you are raising your hand from a computer or a tablet or some other device that is not a telephone, please uh, lower your hand and dial in on the phone and we will be glad to assist you that way. But we are not accepting, we cannot manage public comment in any other way than by Telephone. Thank you so much. Mr. Garcia, is there another member of the public in the queue wishing to provide comment? There are two members of the public wishing to give public comment. Thank you so much. Can you please allow one of the callers? Caller, you will have three minutes. Hello. Uh, thank you for the last minute um, instruction on the star three uh, thing because I 
didn't know that one. Uh, but I would just like to, again, echo what the first caller said and saying that, uh, you know, I appreciate your judgment on this and that you had a full discussion and forethought on, on this case, on, for, on the case of 530 growth. Um, and then to answer the uh, caller afterwards, um, the, they, when it comes to Lynn Davis, that was a complete and utter, you know, case of harassment that was going on when it comes to the first caller. Uh, I have had to go across town in order for her to feel safe in her own apartment because she didn't feel safe because she was right next door to Lynn Davis. And also to the to the fact that oh she didn't uh she didn't uh call in or she didn't contact the necessary people is just asinine because she did she called everybody she could she called NYND she called Kevin Barnett personally like so many times and nothing was done Kevin Barnett doesn't answer his phone Hardly ever. I think she's talked to. I think she has talked to Kevin Barnettis maybe twice in her whole in her whole thing, and 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 nothing has come of it. Okay, so at the end of the day, Kevin Barnettis is not really involved into the property that he claims to be landlording over. You know, I've I've never seen his face, and I don't think. I don't think the woman, uh, the first caller, has ever seen his face either. Uh, so as far as crippling landlords and, you know, like landlords, you know, having a hard time, I don't see the thought of Kevin Barnettis as a landlord having a hard time with anything because he doesn't do anything. So I would like to, again, thank you for uh, declining the appeal. Uh, it was well served, and I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Mr. Garcia, are there additional members of the public in the queue wishing to provide comment? There are no members of the public wishing to give public comment. Thank you so much. So we'll give it just a minute as this is the last public comment opportunity of this evening. Um, so members of the public, if you are um, viewing the meeting and you're wishing to provide comment to the commissioners right now, please dial in on the phone 415-655-0001. You'll enter access code 2664-276-2899 press pound and press pound again. You will not enter an additional code. You will hear the meeting and then you will dial star and three to enter the public comment queue, which will indicate to staff that you are raising your hand and wishing to provide comment. So we'll give it just another moment since this is the last opportunity of the evening to provide comment. Mr. Garcia, are there additional members of the public in the queue wishing to provide comment at this time? There are no members of the public wishing to give public comment.
So at this time, uh, we will be closing the second of two public comment periods this evening. Um, just to confirm one last time, Mr. Garcia, there are no more callers left in the queue raising their hand wishing to provide comment. Is that correct? There are no members of the public wishing to give public comment. Thank you so much for confirming. So at this time, we are closing the second of two public comment periods and we thank Mr. Garcia um, on his first run of assisting us with public comment. Thank you. Okay, we'll move on to item number seven, communications, please. Thank you, President Gruber. Pardon me, one second. Good evening, commissioners. This is Executive Director Christina Varner. You should have received articles from staff from, I think there was one recent one from Mission Local, uh, SCOTUS blog, The Real Deal Online, and Cron4 News. And then I think you also received monthly workload statistics for May 2023. Is that right? And I think that's it for communications. That's it for communications. President. We'll move on to uh, item number eight, director's report. Thank you so much. So good evening, commissioners. This is executive director Christina Varner. Um, so daily operations continue as usual at the rent board and uh, the department continues with hiring and recruitment and our move project. Um, we have a soon to be brand new staff member here with us this evening um, and expect to have uh, new staff at upcoming commission meetings as well. Um, and I'll introduce her in just a moment. In regards to outreach, um, public information unit staff members, Jennifer Rakowski and Max Garcia presented at the Glen Park Neighborhood Association on uh, July 27th, which I understand was a lively affair. Um, on August 28th, coming up, uh, staff member Marisa Jimenez and other public information unit team members are scheduled to provide a training to Spanish speaking housing counseling volunteers who are participating in a 12 week training course sponsored by the housing rights committee called Escuela del Pueblo. And uh, one opportunity for us and them is uh, for rent board staff to share our Spanish English glossary with the Spanish speaking housing counseling volunteers to improve access and understanding um, for the community. So this is a, a really great collaborative opportunity that we're engaging in. Um, this next month staff will continue to focus on training housing counselors at local nonprofits um, to better understand the rent board services. And we had talked about in the last few months, uh, you know, it's been quite a lapse of time since the pandemic and now post pandemic that we're trying to get back into sort of some of our bread and butter and really working with um, our local partners uh, to, and there a lot of them have new staff and sort of getting people back on board with, with what we're doing and, and what is available um, for folks at the rent board. Um, so uh, staff are also preparing a training for the mayor's office of housing and community developments eviction prevention network. Uh, on handling reports of alleged wrongful eviction. And uh, the department's tenant hardship forms are in the process of being updated. 
and staff are determining opportunities to train community organizations on the updated hardship forms once they're finalized. So there, there is a fair amount going on in regards to um, outreach and uh, not simply related to the housing inventory, but kind of going back to basics for a lot of organizations that have new staff. Um, the 2023 notices of delinquent rent board fee period uh, has passed and 13,600 notices were sent out and about 5,200 or so delinquent accounts were resolved. Uh, this was a huge lift um, by our inventory and fee unit as well as our public information unit counselors and our collaborators at 311 and the treasurer and tax collector. So thank you to uh, all of you who worked on the delinquency period. It was our second delinquency period. Uh, the department has confirmed it will refer up to about 8,300 parcels to the Bureau of Delinquent Revenue for unpaid 2023 rent board fees. And the next inventory and fee cycle will begin in October. So it is upon us and staff are planning and we're kind of getting in the rhythm of how that's going now. So this will be our third cycle, if you can believe. Are there any questions about that? Okay. So, in regard to legislation, um, Board of Supervisors file number 230810, which would amend the tenant right to organizing legislation, was introduced on July 11th and is currently uh, with the Rules Committee. The amendment, amendments would specify that an individual tenant may have a tenant association representative present during their meetings with the landlord and require landlords to remain in attendance at meetings of a tenant association for up to two hours. The amendments would also clarify what it means to confer in good faith and the types of matters that may be discussed with a tenant association and clarify that a duly formed tenant association remains in good standing unless and until either it fails to recertify on the landlord's request, which can happen no more than once every three years, or that a new tenant association is formed to take its place. Secondly, uh, Board of Soups file number 230770 was signed by the mayor on July 28th. Uh, the ordinance amends the rent, rent ordinance to provide that tenant occupied units and buildings that will be receiving either low income housing tax credits or tax exempt multifamily revenue bonds shall remain subject to the rent ordinance as long as any of the existing tenants continue to reside in the unit or unless all the tenants in the unit agree otherwise in writing. And for any such units that may have previously become exempt from the rent ordinance in since 2018, restoring rents to the levels allowed had the rent ordinance continuously applied. And that is what I have for uh, legislative updates. I would now like to uh, introduce Barbara. So starting next week, uh, the rent board will have its newest team member uh, who I have is very selfish. I've waited 22 long months for <laughs> uh, deputy director and board secretary, secretary, Barbara Texador. Um, Barbara's here observing tonight and she'll begin in her official capacity on Monday, August 21st. Um, she is a San Francisco native who attended UC Santa Cruz and UC college of the law. She's an attorney whose background is in housing, social security, health access and immigration law. Uh, Barbara speaks Spanish and has worked also as a section eight property manager. Um, she has spent the last 15 years with Bay Area Legal Aid in their Alameda County and Legal Advice Line Health Consumer Center offices and has spent the last 10 years as supervisor and managing attorney. 
Um, and I have uh, sent you some information about her. Um, I am super excited uh, to have her on the management team and have her be my management partner. Um, she will be the board, department's board secretary um, and will take over the department's uh, primary, being the primary liaison to you all. Um, so we will get you Barbara's contact information as soon as we have it. Um, and of course, I, I am still here. <laughs> um, uh, and Barbara is going to engage in a lot of other capacities. So it's very exciting. She's going to function as our primary um, HR contact for the department, as well as participating in on our management team and policy development, um, budget preparation, racial equity work, amongst the other initiatives. And she will be supervising the supervisors and managers of the inventory and fee unit, the public information unit, and uh, the clerical unit. So it's a Big job and um, very excited to uh, present Barbara to you. So, thank you for welcoming her. I'd like to welcome you to uh, a very unique commission uh, in San Francisco. I think we're the only one that is divided the way we are. Uh, we have uh, 10 commissioners, uh, four representing the tenant community, we have four. Representing the owners community, and then we have two neutrals, and the neutrals are either tenants um, or uh, uh, owners of multi units. It's a it's it's a black balancing act that that uh, we're here to do our best. Uh, the, the nice thing is we have a group of people that are actually very much uh, involved in the community that they represent, and so what we bring forward is the, the best of. Uh, of our interpretations. Uh, we don't always agree, uh, but that we always have to realize that, that we represent the total population of San Francisco. So as we go forward, the rules and regulations and ordinance um, is important to, to both sides. And so we may not always agree, uh, but we do try to do our best to balance so you get the unique uh, overview of both sides as you go through your work and uh, appreciate all your help. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Director Varner and President Gruber for that warm welcome. Um, I'm very honored to join the rent board and I look forward to working with everyone here. Thank you so much. Can't stop smiling. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so uh, that's the director's report. And, you know, we uh, have another new staff member joining us next month and one in November. So we're, we are nearly fully staffed. We're like kind of in the home stretch. It's, it's really exciting. So yeah. yeah. With that, uh, we can move on to item nine then, old business. I think we're just going to keep this as whole business as the new legislation with the Yeah. Exactly. With that, uh, would we keep it on the uh, agenda? Yeah, please? that would be great. On that in keep it on the agenda. Okay. And uh, with that, then we can move on to item 10 new business. There is no new business over Vancouver. And uh, move on to. Item 12 in the calendar items. Uh, consideration of appeals. 
Um, the next regularly scheduled rent board commission meeting is will be on September 12th, 2023. Uh, a regular in person meeting here at 25 Van Ness room 610. Again, it will also be streamed um, via WebEx and offer remote uh, public comment. Um, I think we have maybe two appeal considerations so far for that date. I may be totally wrong. But uh, yeah, thank you. I'm not sure who's reading the Ramaytu Shaloni land acknowledgement for the next one. Commissioner Swani. Commissioner Swani, thank you. No, I'm not be here for next month. Thank you. Or that was the. Uh... Have we decided to the next alone in the evening? Sure, Sonny. It's going to be Sonny. So Sonny's going to do it? I guess the production got it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, with that, uh, we conclude our business. Uh, we're adjourned. Thank you. Hey. Actually, you're right. Yeah. Cool. 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 Acoustics are awesome. Hold on, in my desk. Fun. Thank you.